Larry, I'll give you a cue here. MMM Agency 100 Studio Sessions. Concentric Life. Okay, we're rolling. Hello, my name is Larry Dobrow. I'm the editor in chief of MMM, and I am ready for you to plug into this episode of the Agency 100 Studio Sessions, a new podcast series which gives members of the MMM Agency 100 an opportunity to riff on what sets them apart. We've got a very good one today. We're back with our friends at Concentric Life, Ken Bagassi, who is the founder and CEO, Michael Sanson, who is a founder and the creative chief, and Michael Austin, who is the chief experience officer. Guys, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Larry. Always a pleasure. These are fun. These are fun. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about designing the modern health experience, but I almost want to start at the very outset. I think this is a question for um, Michael Austin. Michael, um, what is experience design? Start us at the very beginning. Yes. Awesome. Appreciate the question. And trust me, it's a question that I get quite often. And so I think it's, it's important to be as clear when you define it as possible. So the way we define it at Concentric Life is it's a brand building approach. And it's an approach that makes showing up in service of, of truly the unmet need, the unmet human need that showing up is the brand's core purpose. So we always ask in experience design, it's how can a brand help you rather than how can a brand sell you? And then you design everything around that distinction, right? So if you think along the continuum of a person's experience with the brand, the brand really becomes a health enabler, right? If we were selling (laughs) socks, we're not really trying to enable much other than the sale of socks. But here we are really actually trying to enable healthier outcomes, healthier lives. So the, the shortest way possible I can say it is it's really the craft of showing up, connecting, and enabling healthier outcomes. Because really gone are the days of just interrupting, right? I mean, I've been in this business a long time. And at one point, it was just, how do you interrupt whatever is going on? But now you really have to make sense of someone's large, the larger context, the larger experience that that person's having. You have to participate in the moment. You have to participate in their personal moment. So how do you show up and make it meaningful to them? You have to understand the cultural moment. So we're really taking all of that into consideration when we figure out how to show up. And so um, sort of from a f- operational perspective, experience design is a group. I lead the group here and I've, I've been a, a creative in healthcare for 20 years. So I bring those creative sensibilities to it, but we, we, it's a purposeful blend of brand planning and engagement strategy and creative. So I headed up, but also on the team, the head of engagement sits on the team. And so we actually have all of digital engagement reporting up into experience design. And then we have the head of brand planning. Um, And so we've sort of made this distinction here. Um, We have our brand strategists, which, you know, really own sort of the commercial strategy. We've separated our brand planners that really help us get under the hood of, of the people we're trying to talk to. So the head of brand planning um, is on the team, as well as we have a business lead in the group to keep <laughs> to keep us all, all honest, um, someone who has sort of a wealth of experience in standing up enterprise level digital solutions, someone who didn't necessarily, hasn't actually grown up in the health space. 
And so, right, it's the triangulation of all that is how we run at um, showing up, how we craft those experiences that show up in, in the right way in the right moment. Is that kind of prelude? I don't know if prelude is the right word for it because it was much more of a prelude. But um, is that sometimes do you have to say that to prospective clients? Do clients get this innately or is this something that maybe they need to hear a little bit about? I think when you explain the intent behind it, they understand the intent because it's a real need, right? So um, I, that's why on on its face, you're like, wait, what is experience design? People don't net readily understand it when hearing the the handle. But once you explain what the intent is, then they readily understand it, right? It's making engagement strategy and thinking about engagement strategy um, early enough in in the the stream of a project that it actually impacts the creative, right? And so it's like, oh, we're going to build a campaign that that's actually going to work in the way you want it to work. It's like, it's not, it used to be, does a campaign have legs? And now we say, well, is the campaign going to walk into the right moment, into the right, in, in the right way? And so, right, this is, it's, it's a real problem that, that certainly in the health space, um, clients have been struggling with for a long, long time. Like, okay, we have this great campaign. It sits on the cover of my vis aid. What else is it going to do? Right. So I think they readily understand the problem and how, and, and appreciate how we go about solving that problem. To that end, um, concentric life focusing on experience design as an agency. Tell me a little bit about that, how that strategy and that particular focus came into, uh, came into being. Experience is something that we've been talking about for a long time. If you recall, our name used to be Concentric Health Experience. So this is not a, a new concept for us, and it's not our first attempt at designing this group. But what we love about the way we have it designed today um, within Concentric Life is the multifaceted component that Michael talked about. We, you know, I, I think that one of the things that's also important to the description that, that Michael just gave you is what we don't mean by experience design. And I think a lot of folks will jump immediately to things like events, conventions, you know, immersive opportunities like, you know, VR goggles. That's could be part of it, right? But we're, we're taking a much bigger step back and looking at the choreography of the entire promotional campaign around the journey of the customer, whether that's a particular patient, a physician, whoever. So what we like about where we've landed in the design of the experience team is that it takes all of those components into account. And it, it took us a few years to figure out how to uh, engineer that. And, and this sort of current version is, was really designed to, as, as Michael mentioned, to bring the engagement the strategy around engagement all the way up into the process and bring it to the very beginning of the process. And I think the, one of the biggest challenges in our industry is the somewhat siloed conveyor belt approach to developing work, right? So strategy does the thinking and then they create a brief and they hand that off to creative to do the, you know, the, the, the pretty pictures and the compelling ideas. And then they hand that off to engagement who then chops that up into little pieces that we push out the door. And unfortunately, those little pieces that we push out the door don't, don't do everything that we want them to do. So the, the, the aha moment um, a few years back was that, you know, we need to know where those pieces are going first and who they're serving. Um, so those, those are important words that Michael mentioned, right? It's like, 
how do we live in service to our customer? And then that, that begins with what is our purpose? Why do we exist as a brand? That requires a multifaceted team. And that's why the team is as, is as broad as, as Michael mentioned with engagement and planning and you know, all the other facets that go along with it, creative. That actually leads very nicely into my next question. Um, you know, certainly setting this up, thinking it through, you know, not a not an overnight process. Tell me a little bit about how experience design affects the way that Concentric Life goes about its business internally. Um, you know, both of you already touched on this a little bit, but what what are some of the nuances of it? What are some of the things that maybe agencies haven't dealt with before that you know you're you're dealing with in in pushing this forward? Yeah, perfect. I think uh, you know something I I, I say often is uh, you know we're we're turn, turning engagement strategists into rock stars. Not that they haven't always been rock stars, but I think it's it's a rock star with a seat at the table from a creative review perspective. Again, so if you think we all yeah. know, we've all there's a creative review and then an account review and then and then you get in front of the client. We have purposely built in, you know, there's a creative review and then there's a calling of ideas there, but then there's an engagement review, right? So you literally have that opportunity for engagement to kind of suss out what they think is working or not working. And so they have a seat at the table then. And even even earlier stage, right, we've actually t- taken the time to really think through our creative brief <laughs> to the point where we, we are actually sunsetting creative briefs in favor of experience briefs. And again, having some very specific moments on the brief that are engagement moments. So we call out what are the impact moments we've identified. It's not every important moment, but let's let's grab a couple and have every creative idea be pressure tested against those engagement ideas. So when you get to the engagement review, that it, things should be humming along. But again, we, we can catch them if they're not. Um, and I think even further upstream, I think in terms of agency process, um, we if if we're going to create brands that are serving up in service of the unmet human need, we have to really understand what that unmet human need is. Um, again, something we're we're probably all accustomed to doing a lot in um, in in agency life, healthcare agency life, is doing a medical one hundred and one. Well, now we do a people one hundred and one. Right. And it, it is like we're, we're so good at doing the medical one on one. We do it with our eyes closed, but then forcing people to actually do a people one on one super early stage. And so you have we've had to light the fire under under some some folks because it's not we, we we can't use this answer. If we get if we get to understanding the people three weeks into the process, it's too late. So there are, we do have a series of, of tools and and mapping um, exercises we go through, one of them being ritual mapping, really understanding the conscious and unconscious behaviors that, that folks are, are walking through as part of their health journey. Can we affect those rituals? Can we add on to those rituals? Do we want to replace some of those rituals? So that's proven a really helpful tool. Um, as long as a host of other things to really get into the unmet human need. I, I think I, I can't overstate it. When we, we sort of laid down the law that said every brand, you know, the, the problem we're solving, it's always a people problem. It's, it's never anything else. It's not a people don't, it, it, it's not, oh, our, our, you know, the, the, the competitor out there works in one way and now our pathway is a different way. Like that's not what we're communicating. We're going past that to really understand what is the unmet human need. Sometimes that unmet human need might be a misunderstanding of the mechanism of action. And so again, you can lean into that, but really always making sure 
it's a people problem that we're serving. Um, and that began, begins to really be a guiding light to affect everything we do at an agency, even from the discovery phase. Michael, this is more for my curiosity than anything else. Um, what, what are some of the things that possibly crop up during People 101? Um, what are some of the things that crop up during the engagement review? Yeah, well, I think during the the People 101 in particular, right? Again, you heard me talk about rituals, but like, yes, what are are the artifacts? Like, so if you if you've gone in for an infusion and you have a hospital tag, right? And and do you save that hospital? ID bracelet. What do you do with it? Do you throw it away? Do you like, is it a badge of honor? So that's an artifact. Is that something that maybe we can brand or add on to that, that tag, give you a different tag, replace that tag. It's just a very specific example of really understanding what's going on in that, that person's experience when they're going in, in for an infusion, right? It's, it's, it's not being surface. Like the, the worst thing to do is stay two dimensional, but how do you get three dimensional on on what's truly happening for 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 these folks and the doctors the doctors who are helping? Um, how about this? And you know, certainly you've you've referenced this already a little bit. But um, how does experience design impact the creative work itself? Obviously, it works hand in hand. But what are what are some of the concerns? What are some of the things you're looking out for? I think the biggest change and and Michael talked about the experience brief. The the, the biggest change in the way that you develop the work is that you're really thinking about the the key vessels that that work will be distributed through and those key moments where we need to show up in a meaningful way. So it gives a lot of guidance to the team as to how the idea should come to life. I think that, you know, in the past, we've thought about ideas in sort of very static and two-dimensional ways. And then, you know, as we mentioned, engagement comes in the room later. And then we, we try to shoehorn those ideas into these new vessels that we've figured out we needed. So it's actually given the creative team, I think, more guidance. I mean, you could call it guidance. You could call it guardrails. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, as someone who's lived in that space for a long time, I, I like knowing more like I, I I like having a little bit of a tighter focus as to how the idea will come to life. I think it helps you develop a better, more powerful idea. Um, so that's really been the biggest change. I, the, the The reality is the process for the creatives isn't that much different. They've just got more information on the brief and and more profound information. You know, more depth in the sort of customer profile, but mostly it's the it's the understanding of the of the channels. Uh, Michael talks a lot about connecting people to story, right? So it's like, what is the connective tissue? We've always understood the story, um, and we've we've roughly understood the people. Uh, I think we know we realize we need to go much deeper into what their what their human needs are, and not just their sort of what their medical situation is. Um, but it's the connecting part that I think that the, the the creative team has often thought about too far downstream. And so that's been the biggest shift. And I, I think getting a, a, a brief with a lot more detail, um, we've found is that the, the team really truly understands their objective. I don't get the, the calls after the briefing that I used to get to add all the color. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? How are we doing it? Where is it going? Right. Um, <laughs> A, a lot of that is is now very crystal clear from from the onset. So it's been really well embraced in that regard. 
you know, and this is why it, it's helpful, you know, having been a creative for, for a long time, like I, with some credibility, I can say that historically briefs are really good at talking about, we want to go from this mindset to this mindset that from to is, is what briefs generally do. And then the creatives, it's up to the creatives to figure out how, you know, and so you kind of get dropped off in the desert and it's like, good luck finding your way to the how. And so I, I think the idea here is the, the how is, is that the brief is impregnated a little bit more with that how. So you're not, you have some wayfinders along the way to help you get to the how. And again, I think it's not overly prescriptive, but it is definitely, there, there are more guardrails. So there's some bumpers right down that bowling alley to make sure you, you get the strike and you don't, you don't veer off in some unfortunate ways. So no more is it just the landing in the desert. Good luck. And maybe we'll figure, we'll figure it out later. The biggest problem is that usually the work is born, the client buys it. And then it's like, okay, you throw it over the wall and engagement, you know, execute this across an ecosystem. And it's not designed to work across those moments because we haven't thought about those moments. And so now the adage of measure, measure twice, cut once, I think works perfectly here. You know, we're doing a ton of measuring up front so that when we do cut the idea, it comes out the way it should be. Right. To that end, um, and I know the answer to this question is very well based on our Agency 100 reporting, but how have clients responded to experience design? Um, what are some of the things that you've heard from them that maybe you didn't expect? Maybe some of the things that delight them, maybe some of the things that you know, almost take them aback a little bit. Well, you know, Larry, like we, we talked about earlier, you know you've, you're doing the right thing. You're answering the market need when you see immediate organic growth from our clients in areas that also represent, you know, emerging de uh, and developing capabilities uh, within the concentric life platform. And I would say experience design has been in and of itself, the, the group that, you know, Michael runs has been uh, highly utilized uh, over the last three months with setting up meetings to help our clients kind of, you know, really kind of push their, the constraints against their ambition and truly get behind the the idea of developing a more modern marketing uh, mix and a more modern marketing experience for their for their their customers. And so I know the team has been busy. I'm literally going traveling from to from Takeda yesterday and in Jazz, uh, you know, the week before. You know, Michael, why don't you talk a little bit about some of those recent insights? Yeah. Thanks, Ken. Um, it's true. I think the utility of experience design is the beauty of experience design. And it allows you not just when you have a, a brand new blank slate, let's come up with a brand new campaign. Yes, experience design works there, but it also allows you to zero in on maybe it's a brand that, that's been on, on the market for a number of years, and maybe even you've been working with the brand for a number of years. So we did just have a recent client um, ask us, right? There is this one particular segment that they just couldn't crack, right? And it is sort of, if we were able to, to, to crack into them, it will pay huge dividends um, in terms of market share. And so the segmentation, right? So there's one particular battle-tested, Brittany was the segmentation name. Like, how do you actually design a, an experience that will draw them in and make them more interested in a, um, in the brand proposition. Right. And so we, it's, it, we kind of 
came up with this idea of everyone knows about a chat, the chat bot, but this was a really a video bot experience where you allow it's a very human interaction, whereas pre-recorded um, wow. responses, but in a very authentic human way to some of the sort of conventional Q&A questions you might have. And it was allowed you to intersect. So maybe you're not ready to talk to your doctor, but you are ready to talk to someone who understands what you're going through, right? So it's that, that mini step. And I think, again, that's the opportunity when, when we talk about um, identifying these moments, again, a, a very important point to make is they don't have to be the obvious moments that already exist, right? You can create this micro moment of maybe you'll talk to someone who understands and that will put you, make you ready um, to actually go talk to your doctor. So we inserted another step into the journey um, and it's going to really engage the this particular segment so that's why it's it's like it's a perfect tool again the utility is the beauty you can go big or wide i again i'm a creative i've grown up you, you when you're at the plate and you get a brief you you love to swing for the fences because that's if you're creative that's what you like to do and i think experience design teaches you sometimes the bunt or the single is even more powerful right it's not just about the the giant billboard in times square that's pounding its chest we can do that, but that's not that's not necessarily what the moment calls for every time. I'll jump on to this one as well, Larry, because I made a lot of calls to clients early on when when we were prior to kind of launching this group. And the excitement was pretty immediate without even truly understanding what all the levers were going to be and, and who all the players were going to be. The idea that we were designing a multifaceted team whose job really essentially is to connect insight to story to message immediately resonated with our clients because they feel the disconnect, right? They spend so much time and energy in each step of the process and then scratch their heads at the end as to why not everything feels like it's operating as efficiently as it should be when we've done all that hard work. And I simply articulated to them that like, you know, our, our problem really was in our model and in an effort to be efficient, we've, we've kind of created the, this um, assembly line approach to developing the work. And we've got to be a lot more elegant than that. And that's this, this team is here to, to be that connective tissue between those critical phases so that they, it truly does connect the people to the story. Uh, and they got that right away. Um, I, you know, I, I think the first client I called said, well, we need, we need to get a workshop on the books as, as soon as you can. I mean, I mean, some of these pe people that were key to the group hadn't even shown up yet. Um, and so I think that they, the, 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 Learning there is that they see the disconnect, they feel the disconnect, and they're anxious for the solution. And I think because we've been at this for so long, and I'll fully admit, I think our earlier iterations of it weren't as successful as we wanted them to be, but they led us to a place um, that really is working and really is resonating internally and externally. Um, and that's always the hardest part, right? You have to know how to articulate this to the client so they see value in it and they want to engage with it. But then you've also got to sell your internal team on the reconfiguration of our operation in order to deliver it. Uh, and 
I would say both internally and externally, there was immediate excitement. Certainly a lot of questions around how does it work? What is the timing? How does it change what, I, what I've been doing? But it's working because everybody's excited about it because they all feel the disconnect that exists and they're excited about being able to create work that fills that gap. Yeah. I, I would say that's why it's, you know, not only philosophically and or as well as vision, it literally sits in the middle of concentric life. So whether you are a rare brand with a, a rare marketer of, of a rare brand and a customer of a rare brand, or you're a wellness, you know, customer, the idea of having a rewarding experience and what that looks and feels like is is the undercurrent in the un, you know for the entire organization. So that's one of the reasons why Michael was very purposeful in the design of this group um, as we move forward. And in typical entrepreneurial fashion, after a series of uh, you know failures, but uh, that's the way it works. You, you fail, you pick up, you dust yourself off, and yep. here we are. You know, which actually leads nicely into my final question for you. Um, it's the it's the future question. Um, the way this is going to evolve, this offering, this group, where do you want to be at, say, this time next year? Um, what are some of the major items on all three of your to-do lists? Yeah, I guess I'll take that first. I think, um, of course, a series of uh, in-market examples to, to showcase, right? We, we um, have a bunch of things cooking, right? So, you know, we have this conversation a year from now. I think it'll be easier to, to talk about some of the things that are that are out in public that are, are have, have come a result of, of the XD process. Um, I think, right, uh, personally, uh, I would like to get to a place where clients aren't asking what is experience design, but are saying, oh, I want, I Give need experience design, right? So it's so just readily understood. I do, it is, you know, we in advertising, we, we love the shiny Right. Like if we were talking a year ago, uh, you would ask me about NFTs or, or the metaverse. <laughs> right? and, and actually, AI hasn't come up today. We, we love the shiny. But the, the truth is, like what we need to do as advertisers, like has it changed? Like, Ken and I have had this conversation. You know, I'm like, it's about connecting people to story. And Ken's like, well, isn't that just what advertising's always done? I'm like, no, this is how we're operationalizing it. We're actually putting a process in place. We're putting it in the center of the agency. So experience design isn't something we do. It's what we do. And so I, you know, the proof points of it being able to work not just for for brand new campaigns, but in market campaigns. I think that's what I'm most excited about. About you know using it everywhere is 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 what I think the future holds. I think that point, Michael, is such a good one because you know often we think we have to be we have to be coming out with something that's so revolutionarily different, right? Because you know our our the the little PR part of our brain is like no one's going to be interested unless it sounds like something they've never done before, but. We've been talking about, our industry has been talking about this for a long time. So I think in some ways we're like, yeah, heard it, we're over it, right? We get it, experience, connecting people. But we have not, we have not executed on it properly. And, and, it, and it takes, and, I, and the reason for that um, is that it takes a real commitment, including a financial commitment, um, but I think more so the sort of operational commitment to really restructure things that look aren't broken per se um but are not designed to deliver real connection 
and and it's harder it's harder to do it this way right so that's that's a that's the other hurdle right it's it's easy to keep doing what we're doing because it's fine um but i think what we're doing to michael's point is we've we're now operationalizing a very elegant solution to this problem that we've been talking about for a long long time um and i think that we have to get excited about right like i know we want it to sound shinier than that we want it to sound you know sparklier than that but the reality is we've just operationalized the thing that we've been trying to do for a long time and it doesn't have to be so hard but it does take a commitment operational financial um, you have to have the right skill sets in place we had to go out and get some some additional folks to add to the mix um, so that we could deliver this in a meaningful way now I'll, i would say success to me is you know 280 plus experienced designers by by next year that the entire agency has not only uh you know caught the vibe but as you know is 100 you know engaged and immersed in in how experienced design can you know transform what they're doing every day if that mindset if they transform what they're doing every day, they'll be, we'll be better served. We'll be better serving our clients and certainly better serving our people with this, with this approach. They're just doing it, right? One last question for everybody that has nothing to do with anything. And I think uh, Ken probably knows what's coming. This is our agency 100 uh, studio sessions podcast. So for everybody, what was the last song that you listened to? Um, wow. I, I guess I've been, um, the Tina Turner private dancer. It's like, I don't, every day I turn around, someone's leaving yeah. us. Like, I, that was, that was a sad departure. That one, that one smarted. All right. Well, I, I mean, I have to be honest. So I just picked up a, uh, a loaner vehicle and it was already set to the Dave Matthews channel, believe it or <laughs> not. And I'll, I'll admit I'm, I'm a fan. Um, but, but. And, and the best of what's around, which is an old mm-hmm. classic from Dave, one of my one of my favorites from the old days, was just happened to play on my ride home. So I figured, all right, today's going to be a good day. This is a good song. Yeah, you know what? And, and and Larry, does none of that go full circle with how we discussed uh, Concentric got started? Mike and I, you know, as interns with a common musical taste, right? Dave, Dave Matthews and, uh, you know. 30 plus year friendship, obviously an amazing partnership and a life that's been intertwined since. But uh, since it's Wednesday and in my Doobie brothers, mm-hmm. you know, love the Doobies. You know, yeah. But uh, but last night, you know, I'm up here. I'm about to play some golf with some college buddies. So, you know, last night, David Bowie was rocking pretty hard last night. All right. So that was, that was what we were listening to. You know, it's funny. I mentioned this to Ken previously, but um, a lot of people, when we've asked this question, they've been like, hold on a second. Then they go to their Spotify app or they go to Apple Music or whatever they use. It's like, <laughs> you know, it should probably be top of the mind a little bit, but, uh, you know, uh, nobody, nobody wanted to be outed as a fan of bad music. And fortunately, this industry has wonderful taste. You haven't, so you haven't gotten Nickelback yet? No one's, <laughs> <laughs> no one's admitted that? No Nickelback. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of, you know, somebody who's just like, I really like 80s music. I was like, that's cool again, man. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a couple of years ago it wasn't. Michael, Michael, Ken, this was absolute delight to do. Um, you know, we don't say this that often, but this this is cool stuff, right? You know, this is entertaining yeah. stuff and it's stuff that matters. So many thanks for sharing it with us. Thanks for the uh, opportunity. Thanks, you, Larry. 
Appreciate it. For the MM&M Studio Sessions podcast, I'm Larry Dobrow. Many thanks for listening and be well. Be well.